Good morning, sports fans, bettors, and cappers, and welcome to the Daily Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell, and thank you all for joining me here this morning. Today, we are talking about a few results from yesterday's games and headlines, as well as talking about today's betting uh, slate, as this morning's show is all about sports and the world of betting. So our episode today is brought to you by our sponsor, Bet99. Bet99 is a Canadian sports book and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, a cash-out option, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, and Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile. Their mobile app can be downloaded from the homepage of the website. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 with their live chat option. So go to bet99.com to make an account to get started. And please gamble responsibly. You must be 19 plus years of age to do so. Now, let's talk about yesterday's recap. After a couple of really hot days of betting, we almost got blanked yesterday. It was a tough day from a betting perspective. No parlay cash for the show. The Jays, they lose outright to the Orioles 7-4. to The Nationals, they lost 6-3 to versus... Uh, the Cubs, and then we had Pitt in Arizona over eight. That one was never even close. Three to nothing was the final there for Arizona. But we did hit on the wings minus two and a half on the WNBA side. We did have Vladdy Guerrero over one and a half bases hit. Those both were posted on our Twitter page. And then one that we talked about yesterday morning that also missed was West Brom and Watford. We said not both teams to score and They ended up drawing that game 1-1, so an unfortunate result there for us. Now, when we talk about the daily recap as far as results and headlines go, uh, we did have the Mets win 5-1 over the Reds. Shout out to the Give Back Gamblers who are running our MLB Survivor Pool over on Twitter. We had the Mets yesterday, so we live to fight another day. Uh, We already talked about the Cubs. The Angels won 1-0 over the A's. The Giants won one to nothing over the Padres, and then the Yankees win nine to four over the Mariners. Now, Dallas Wings win yesterday, eighty-six to seventy-seven. Huge result for Dallas. We're getting close to playoff time. That's their fifth straight win, and so they're going to be absolutely rolling into playoff action. Now, we did have a few headlines yesterday. The main one probably is coming out of Brooklyn, as the Brooklyn Nets owner has pledged his support for their coaching staff and the front office. This is after Kevin Durant reportedly demanded that the team trade him or fire head coach Steve Nash and GM Sean Marks. Now, the owner took to Twitter and said, our front office and coaching staff have my support. We will make decisions in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. And this is due to Durant's ultimatum as apparently a result of his lack of faith in the team's direction. And Boy, it's an absolute mess in Brooklyn, and I'm sure that Kevin wishes that he had never signed up for what he's got himself into. Um, As far as I know, he was completely fine with Nash being brought in as head coach. Um, 
I didn't like the hire at the time. I think it's odd to bring in a first-time head coach when you're trying to win now. You're trying to manage a lot of personalities and personalities that we weren't sure would absolutely fit. So I wasn't a fan of the hire at the time. We'll have to wait and see if Nash is there for opening tip in a few months' time. But it looks like Kevin Durant is not happy in Brooklyn And if he's not happy, then we may not see the Kyrie Simmons and Durant trio next season. The Bruins also made a bunch of moves yesterday on the NHL side, and it appears that they're making one last run at it because Patrice Bergeron, they bring him back on a one-year $5 million deal. They also bring back Krejci and Pavel Zaka on one-year deals. I think this is just Boston saying, you know what, we're going to give it one last run after this is when we're going to be done. Um, they still have a good group when you have Marshawn and Pasternak. They brought in Taylor Hall a couple of years ago, Charlie McAvoy on the defensive side of things. They are going to need to address the goaltending issue. I'm not too sold on their goaltending. Uh, once Rask retired, then they were put in a difficult spot. But the Bruins are a veteran group. They're not a team that you want to see come playoff time. They should be in the playoffs once again now that they have their first line center back. And so let's wait and see how Boston looks. Maybe they'll make another move as well to try and beef up this lineup and make one final run. And then the big news on the NFL side would be Justin Tucker. He gets a four-year, $6 million a year contract, $17.5 million guaranteed. And I think this contract's completely justified. I'm not normally one to say, oh, you got to go out and pay your kicker. But this is kind of a special circumstance because he's the most accurate kicker in NFL history. Over 91% of his kicks he makes. He also showed this year that he can be a difference maker because he hit that 66-yarder versus Detroit this year, the longest field goal in NFL history. And when you have a guy like Tucker and you don't have to worry about that position, sometimes it's great to go out and pay a guy like that, ensure that you have him long-term. He's also proven it for a long time that he can do it, and he wasn't just a flash in the pan. So when you have a guy like that, I think you have to go out and pay him knowing that he's going to make the majority of kicks. We see it all the time that teams lose games due to a kicker, and so Baltimore is not one of those teams that you're going to have to worry about. Now let's move on and talk about today's betting slate. There is a lot of MLB today. We got a little bit of WNBA. Um, If you are looking to bet some English soccer today, there is some League Cup action, but there's not a lot of clubs that we're familiar with. We're not going to be going out and betting on Salford City That's just not a position that we're going to put ourselves in. So if you like some League Cup games, definitely reply to us on Twitter. Let us know some of the plays that you're on. But as far as we're concerned, just not one that we love. Now, MLB-wise, we do have the White Sox and Royals. They're going at 4 o'clock Eastern time. Still undetermined who the pitchers are going to be in this match. It looks like Lance Lynn on the White Sox side, but still unsure on the Royals side. We got the Marlins and Phillies. You've got Garrett versus Wheeler. Uh, Over-under on that game is 7.5 as well, so they're anticipating a lower-scoring game. Then you got the Blue Jays. They're minus 155 again today versus the Orioles. They got Manoa on the mound going up against Bradish. 8.5 is the line there. You got the Mets, minus 320 versus the Reds. Carrasco going up against Miner. Uh, I like the Mets today, but not going to just go straight up money line. Probably going to go regular run line. There's a lot of minus two and a half at plus money, but I might just look for the minus one and a half to throw in as a parlay piece. Then you got the Guardians and the Tigers. You got Shane Bieber going against Alexander. 
The over-under is just seven there. Really hate that line because I feel like I could see this game finishing 3-1, but I could also see Alexander getting lit up, and then we're talking about this one finishing 8-1 type finish. So going to stay away from that game. Braves are minus 150 versus the Red Sox. You got Morton on the mound versus Hill. Don't love either pitcher, and I think Vegas doesn't either. That's why we're seeing 9.5 as the run line. Then we've got White Sox and Royals again later on today in that doubleheader, so keep an eye on who's going to be pitching in that one. Then we've got the Cubs minus 200 versus the Nationals. You got Stroman and Espino going. On the Brewers side, you've got them taking on the Rays. Peralta versus Yacobonis. Uh, seven and a half is the line there as well for the over-under. The Astros are minus 190 today against the Rangers. Yerkady versus Perez. You got the Rockies and Cardinals. Feltner versus Mikolas. And the Cardinals are minus 175. And the over-under total is 11, so very steep total there. You got the Padres, minus 175 against the Giants, Cobb versus Musgrove. You got the Diamondbacks and Pirates, Henry versus Thompson. You've got the Angels, minus 175 against the A's. That's Otani on the mound for the Angels against Caprillion. Then you've got the Yankees, minus 130 versus the Mariners. Garrett Cole versus Luis Castillo, a rematch of last week between these two teams. And then you've got the Dodgers, minus 220 against the Twins. Urias versus Ryan. That's the late game tonight. And the over-under there is eight. Then we have WNBA action today. Uh, You've got the Vegas Aces going today against the Atlanta Dream. When I looked last night, they were minus 10 and a half. So taking a double-digit spread is always sketchy in the WNBA. It has since moved to 11 and a half. So everyone's sold on the Aces winning, but they haven't been in great form recently. So I'm staying away from that game. The early start is the Chicago Sky and Seattle Storm. That's going to be a fun matchup. You got the defending champs taking on one of the best teams in the West in the Storm. And then you've got the Connecticut Sun. They're minus seven and a half on the road against the LA Sparks. So that's our betting slate for today. As I said, not dipping into English soccer or any tennis. So we're mainly focusing on MLB as well as some WNBA. So the early hedge five, these are our early five plays that we like, the plays that we're going to tail potentially later on. And three of these plays will be featured in our parlay later on today. Starting with Toronto and Baltimore, over eight and a half. Manoa's a good pitcher. Don't love Bradish. He gets roughed up too often. We had 11 runs in this matchup last night, and I'm expecting a bunch of runs tonight as well. So I'm going to take the over eight and a half in this matchup. Miami versus Philly. Under seven and a half. Wheeler and Garrett, I like both pitchers. I'm expecting this to be closer to a three to two, four to three type finish. And so I like the under here at minus seven and a half or at seven and a half. Geez. Then we got Atlanta and Boston over nine and a half. Morton and Hill both have over a four ERA. I'm expecting a ton of runs in this game tonight. Boston, they haven't been great recently. And so I like the over nine and a half. If anything, I like the Braves money line, but going to take the over in that game. Then we got the Yankees money line versus the Seattle Mariners at minus 130. Garrett Cole revenge game because he got roughed up really badly in their last game. Castillo was very solid in that game. I think Cole's going to come out and pitch a gem today. He needs to right the ship. He's had a couple of rough starts here in the last month or so. And so I like the Yankees today to beat the Mariners. And then lastly, the Seattle Storm and Chicago Sky. I'm taking the under 163.5. And this is because we're ramping up to playoffs. I expect both teams to come out 
and play some great defense. The last matchup finished 78-74, so they missed this line by double digits. So once again, I'm expecting a tight matchup, lots of defense, and so I think they finish under, not by a lot, but I do think it's going to be in that 80 to 77 type range. So I'm going to take the under in this game. But thank you everyone who tuned into our live show this morning. If you're listening on Apple and Spotify later on, stay tuned as we have our Denver Broncos preview with Tyson Cole from the Spit and Picklets on Twitter. So definitely stay tuned for that. Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. It is August 9th, which means our ninth NFL team preview show is upon us. Yesterday, it was all about the Dallas Cowboys, my sad, sad Dallas Cowboys. But today, it's all about the team out in the AFC West, our first AFC West team, actually, that we've previewed, that being the Denver Broncos. So now the guy I'm going to be bringing on, he's a betting guy that I've grown to respect a ton as my fellow Canuck. He's a passionate Broncos fan that goes by the betting handle of Spit and Picklets, one of the best names I've seen in the space as well. And that is Tyson Cole. Tyson, how are you doing today, man? Also, I got to know, how did you come up with the name in the first place? Well, first of all, thank you so much for that introduction. I don't think anyone's ever said nicer things about me, so I appreciate that. Uh, I was I was honestly just sitting in my room, and I'm a big Barstool guy. I listen to all their podcasts, and I was like, okay. I looked up, like, because part of my take is probably one of my favorites. So I looked that up, and part of my pick was taken. And I'm like, oh, how can I do, like, Spitting chicklets related, and then boom, just came to me like spitting picklets. And that's uh, awesome, man. Honestly, right away, the second I saw it, it was one of my favorite uh names that I saw. Competitive Hedge, shout out to a buddy of mine, Stephen Gillespie. He was the one that gave me that title Mm because I was looking for something betting related to be a part of the show, and so Hedge was one that I pointed out right away, and so it definitely stuck right off the bat. But as any part's easy, but finding a name is yeah. the hard part <laughs> yeah because then you can go you can do the logo and everything but you got to be sold on the name right away and so yeah. that's that's always the best part of it but as i said we're going to be talking denver broncos today we're going to recap last year maybe a couple headlines heading into this year as well for denver then we're going to talk a couple future bets and then we're going to also touch on some fantasy stuff as well so buckle in we're going to have a great time here on this episode so the broncos 2021 2022 season We could say that it was a bit disappointing, but when you don't have a franchise quarterback, that's always going to be the main issue. So Denver, they got out to the hot start, started out 3-0, and but QB play ultimately caught up with them. They finished the year 7-10, and one of the toughest divisions in football last year. Definitely going to be the case this year as well. They had the third-ranked scoring defense, but offense, as I said, was bottom 10. And that led to the firing of Vic Fangio at the end of the year. And then a lot of changes this offseason. So what did you think of your Broncos season last year? Well, it was a great start. But anyone who's playing the Jets, the Giants, and the Jags <laughs> in the first three weeks are more than likely going to go 3-0. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think we were good. Uh, we had a couple, you know, Jerry Judy was good when he ended up coming back from injury. We had Tim Patrick really you know, establish himself as a bona fide number three, maybe number two wide receiver. Cortland Sutton, last year he was okay. He was, you know, first year back after recovering from the uh, ACL. But when you have like Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke throwing you the ball, you're not going to have that much success. It's hard. Um, Hopefully this year with Russ it changes. But the bright spot on the offense is obviously 
Javante Williams. And I'm so excited for him in every which way. That guy's just a bulldozer. He'll you like he'll like you'll wrap yourself around him and he'll just take off. Doesn't matter. He'll have three guys double his weight on you and he's going with you. What really limits him though is uh, Melvin Gordon. But that guy, they were both like top twelve running backs at some point. Yeah. Of, like, each week like they were both up there so having that one two punch is very good and uh hopefully it's the same this year yeah i will say when it came to last year javante i drafted him third round in a keeper league i'm thrilled heading into this season we're going to touch on fantasy value in a little bit but i'm really excited to see what he brings to the table as far as how the offseason went for you guys teddy obviously out the door kyle fuller left no justin hamilton you guys did sign Melvin Gordon. I was actually kind of surprised to see the re-signing of Gordon, but the one-two punch worked last year. And then you guys made some other changes on the defensive side. You brought in Randy Gregory. You got Alex Singleton. But obviously the main point is Russell Wilson. That That's the thing that has Denver fans so excited and justifiably so. A guy that's been a top 10 quarterback for the past decade, it seems. Now he's coming in. You guys lose Fant. You lose Locke. But not a big loss when you finally get a franchise quarterback. And I said it last year, I really like Denver every position except quarterback. And now that you have it, I think you're going to be in a great spot. So how excited are you for the offense this year, having Russ there now? You still got the one-two punch. Obviously, we already know Tim Patrick's going to miss the season, which is unfortunate, but still a lot of other weapons there. So how excited are you for this offensive group this year? I'm so excited for Russ. It's something that we haven't seen. We haven't seen like a good quarterback with our offense since, wait, that guy right there, Peyton Manning, <laughs> back in 2015. Well, he wasn't even that good in 2015, but shout out Vaughn Miller, who's over here <laughs> <laughs> for that Super Bowl. Anyway, uh, Russ is really going to change everything for us, and I'm so excited. He, everyone says, this might be all my friends making fun of me about Russ, but they're saying, oh, he's washed up. He's not good anymore. I don't believe that. You play, uh, like, you played for a really, really, really bad Seahawks team the last two seasons who had no O-line at all. He's running around trying to, like, save the offense, and he couldn't do it. Now he goes to probably the best offensive line he's ever had in his career, or at least in the last five years. Definitely. So – I, I'm I'm looking forward to Russ, obviously. Without that goes without saying. Our defense, yeah. I mean, we got Randy Gregory, who, you know, I'm very excited about. It took him a little while to like, you know, reestablish himself in the league, and now he got paid. The only thing, like, his contract's a lot of money, um, so it better it better pay off. But we'll see about that. Justin Simmons. I just want to take a second because that guy's the most underrated safety in the whole league. Love that guy. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I'd, we added Alex Singleton, but I don't think he's anything special. He's just kind of like a guy to fill in the spot. I'm not – I don't believe we brought back Alexander Johnson, our other middle linebacker, so he's just plugging playing on the defensive spot. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, this guy, PS2. <laughs> Am I ever excited about him? I was so mad at the draft when we took him over Justin Fields and am I ever eating my words now? Oh my <laughs> gosh. That guy is elite. Oh, I'm so excited for them this year. And I don't just cause we lost Kyle Fuller. 
he wasn't even good for us last year. And yeah. like PS2 is just going to take that step up. And I don't know. I'm very excited, man. Yeah, I think a lot of the time, like you see a big name leave and you're like, oh no, like they lost that guy. But I agree, Fuller wasn't great last year. So I don't think it's a major loss. And you yeah. guys have a young defense and a good defense at that. And, and you got Ojemudia, who we drafted two years ago in the third round, who kind of got bumped below Sertan last year, who actually played pretty good. And now, like, he can have that ele elevated role. Yeah. And so when I look at this team, I, I am really excited for them this year, looking at just top to bottom how good I think they are all around. Like, we're talking about the wide receiver duo of Sutton and Judy. Maybe we see some a bit more Hamler now, given that he's going to miss some time. Uh, Javante and Melvin, the one-two punch. Like last year, people thought I was crazy for saying the Seahawks were going to be last in the division because of Russ. And they're like, well, Russell Wilson's still there, so they're not going to finish bottom. And it's like, outside of Russ and Metcalf, like this is not a good football team. And they proved it last year. Obviously, Russ missing some time doesn't help either. But even if he's in those games, that's not a great team. And I think Russ has plenty left. Like you can tell that he's dedicated to his off-season routine. He's going to come in focused, ready to go. So I'm not really concerned about Russ. What I am concerned about from a Denver perspective, and it's because it's where they are, it's the division that they're in. Because the AFC West, you look at all four teams and you could realistically make a case that they're going to make the playoffs. So they're going to be in the tough spot that, some of these other AFC teams, because the AFC, like, it's far more loaded than the NFC. I don't even think it's close. If you point to the AFC, you could point to probably 12 teams that you could realistically see making the playoffs. And then you look in the NFC and you're like, oh, there's like eight, like eight yeah. or nine maybe that that I like. And it's more top-end talent there. So this is a, a division that's going to be tough given that you're not going to have, like, if you're the Bills, you get the Jets a couple times. If you're the Bengals, you get the Steelers a couple times. Yeah. If you're the Colts, you get the Jags and the Texans. So this is going to be where I think it's crucial is how they're going to do head-to-head -head in this division because yeah. you got the Chargers, you got the Chiefs, you got the Raiders. They all loaded up. Actually, the Chiefs are probably a little bit worse, but they're also a team that's done so well over the last number of years. As long as you have Mahomes, then you have a chance. So how do you think you guys measure up within the division itself? Oh, it's a crapshoot, dude. I don't know. Like, we were we were really, really good last year without the star quarterback. Let's see how, like, that goes with him now. Like, can the rest of the pieces that we had that played so well that kept us in games before stay at that level while we're adding Russ? You know, like, it's, it's going to be tough to see. Obviously, I don't want to sound like, you know, too much of a super fan, but, oh, we're going to win the division. You know, like, <laughs> I I love the Chargers. This year, well, I hate the Chargers, but their team looks really good. Yeah. Um, I think they got a shot to win the division. Uh, but I don't like the Chiefs hate, you know, like you yes, you got worse, but what did you really lose? You lost Tyree yeah. Hill, and then you kind of rather than having that one guy that Mahomes is always gonna target, instead now I just feel like they're gonna separate the ball between Juju, MVS, Sky Moore. And then you still have Travis Kelsey and McCall Hardman there, yeah. right? So I don't know if it's that big of a loss. And, I mean, their safety just kicked a 65-yard field goal, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, I do think three of these teams make playoffs this year. I know the Raiders did get better, um, but I still think we could beat the Raiders. I'd like 
you kind of got to look at the quarterbacks, and I think Russ is definitely better than Derek Carr. You always see kind of Derek Carr overthrowing a lot of his passes. I mean, I know Russ does and all the other quarterbacks do. I don't know. I just noticed that a little bit more on Derek Carr. Uh, you got Josh McDaniels over there now, but he doesn't – I don't know. Like, he – he already tried head coaching and it didn't. Yeah. Work. He hasn't proven anything. That, yeah. that, that's kind of my big thing with, with the Raiders is that everyone talks about the addition of Devonte, And that's great because when you throw that in with, with Waller, with Renfro, like, like they have some weapons there for Carr. but yeah, I'm not sold on Josh McDaniels and I think they could get out coached. Now, that being said, we're going to see how Nathaniel Hackett does as a coach as well, but at least we have seen McDaniels fail. We we don't know what to expect from Hackett, so we're going to give him more of a benefit of the doubt, I think, than we're going to give a guy like Josh McDaniels. Yeah, for sure. That totally makes sense. Um, yeah, I like our running room better. You know, Josh Jacobs, he was drafted to be that RB1, you know, powerhouse guy, and then he never really turned out to be because now it looks like it's going to be a committee with, they just drafted Zemir White. They brought Brandon Bolden over from the Jet or the Pats, and uh, they still got Kenyon Drake. Uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty loaded running back room, and I think the big reason why is because Jacobs has shown that he can't play the full schedule. Like <laughs> at some point, Josh Jacobs is going to get banged up. Spoiler: If you want to draft him in fantasy, like just know <laughs> that you're not going to have him for 17 weeks. You're you're looking at probably 13 or 14 games. So just handcuff him. And, and even if he does play 13 or 14, he's probably going to be hobbled for some of those as well because he's going to try and gut it out. So that would be my concern. So I agree. I think the Raiders, and it shows the way that Vegas has these lines. Like Vegas is like a distant fourth to win the division. Mm. And I think there's a reason for that. Like Carr was great last year, but I just think he's the fourth best QB in the division. And I don't think that it's particularly close for me. So that, I that's where I see the separation. Now, we'll talk betting lines now since we, we've already touched on it. Kansas City, still the favorite to win the division. I got them at plus 160 right now. You got the Chargers at plus 235. Denver, very close to them at plus 265. And then Vegas at plus 640. Now, for me, I think the value is the Denver play because I think with Russell Wilson, we've seen the Chargers miss the playoffs the last couple of years. We know the Chiefs. I agree. I don't. I wouldn't have paid Tyree Kill thirty million dollars like the Dolphins did. I think it's actually insane to be playing, paying wide receivers twenty plus million, but it's kind of the way that the market has gone now. So, I think Denver's the value play because I really like them on both sides of the ball. And if Russ comes back and plays at the caliber that we know he can, I think it's a great value play. What do you think of their odds to win the division? I like it. I I think it's definitely the best value. Um, but I just don't want to come off as, you know, that Broncos fan and promote that pick. Right. But I do like it. Like betting wise, like so much value. You're right. Love both sides of the ball and the chargers always seem to blow it. And if anyone's going to beat the chiefs, like, I think, I think you go with like the veteran quarterback, you know, over the rookie who hasn't really been able to do it. And if you look at the chargers, like they did, they didn't really add anything on offense. They just added an aging Khalil Mack. Uh, oh, who's the cornerback they added? J.C. Jackson. Yeah. So that's that's a good addition. But, yeah, I don't know. about Besides that, like, I want to see Herbert be able to dominate and do it and, like, take over a division before I want to bet on him to do it. 
Like the, because everyone keeps talking about Herbert, like he's the the next great quarterback, but he hasn't done it yet. Mm-hmm. Everyone's projecting him to get there, but until he does it, that's kind of where I'm a bit. I don't know. I, I don't love it from that perspective. The one thing I like about Denver too is the fact that Mile High is such an advantage. Like having that home field advantage that they do, them in Kansas City are kind of the two in the division that have that. With KC having Arrowhead. I, I don't see the Chargers like going in and beating the Chargers to me isn't that intimidating compared to going it's gonna be, to Denver. It's gonna be at my half high the high. other teams' fans anyway, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's just gonna be other teams' fans. So I, I'm not really concerned from that perspective. Now, when we were talking about the win total before we started recording, you have it at nine and a half, which I love the value at the nine and a half, but I have it at ten and a half, and that's where it starts to get a little bit sketchy for me because I have them around that 10 and 11 win season. So that that's where I get a little bit scared. So what do you have value wise on the nine and a half? I'm assuming you like the over on it, given the improvements that were made. Oh, of course. I think, I think we could easily see all four teams in this division cover that nine and a half easily. Like if, if, if you told me that all three teams records, divisional records were three and three, I wouldn't even question it. I'd be like, yep, that makes sense. So if you look at the rest of the schedule, all you have to do is find seven other wins. And with our schedule, it is tough. As we did mention, we play the NFC North. Oh. Well, so so what I have the remainder of the schedule. So I like Seattle. Mm -hmm. I like Houston for you guys. San Fran, I think, could go either way when we're talking about Trey Lance. If he lives up to the hype then it's probably a tough game if he doesn't then you might have some value there the colts not entirely sold on them i think they're the best team in the division but not by a lot the jets being there the jags being there so right off the bat like that gives you like four potentially five games there then you've got tennessee carolina baltimore arizona and the rams i'm not sold on arizona even after last year I don't love the fact that they're going to not have D-Hop and then they're going to try and figure out the offense later on. I think they overpaid Kyler a bit. Carolina, that's one that could go either way. Like if Baker plays well, then Carolina had a great defense and he's got weapons. So Mm -hmm. Carolina could be a tough game, but it could also go the other way. And then you're looking at Carolina as as a much easier game. And then I think you, you can... We see it every year in the NFL. There's going to be upsets somewhere. So, like, can I see you beating Tennessee or the the Rams or Baltimore? A hundred percent. So, I yeah. do see seven wins in there. So, sure. if it goes as planned, like three and three, like I agree. I think it's going to be three and three across the board. If for whatever reason you get to four, then then you're laughing at that. You're even better, so, yeah. So, I would I would recommend playing the nine and a half. Uh, yeah for you know a unit whatever you want and then just sprinkling on the 10 and a half yeah i i agree like mm-hmm. i'm very sold on nine and a half it's yeah once once we're talking about 11 wins even with the additional game you, you get a little it's bit tough. concerned at that point like all it takes is an injury anywhere like outside of qb because obviously, if a QB goes down, you might as well just flush your ticket down the toilet. But Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but I love the odds on them to make the playoffs as well at minus 150. That's what I had it at on bet 99. Mm-hmm. Um, 
no is plus 121, but I just think this Denver team's too good on both sides of the ball to miss the playoffs. As long yeah. as Russ is out there, I think you're in a really good spot. So that's what I like from a betting perspective on Denver. For us to only be the seventh best team in AFC is minus 150. That is crazy. I would have that. Yeah, especially when I look at some of these other divisions and, and improvements or we could say just players lost on some of these other teams, mm-hmm. I think you're in a good spot. So we all four of us, like all four of the division in the playoffs. Yeah. I think that's, it's a stretch, but you can see it. Like like that. This is what's so difficult for me is that if they're all splitting three and three across Mm -hmm. the board, then essentially outside of the division, you're going to have to go and win the majority of your games, which is tough. It's not out of the question, but Baltimore, we'll see if they can come back healthy. The AFC East has a couple good teams there. We could have both teams out of the South. Like this is where it's a crapshoot, but Denver's a team that I like just from a playoff perspective. Cause I think if if we're talking about three of these teams getting in, I think Vegas is the odd team out. So that's where I would look at it. Now, fantasy value-wise, this is one of my more favorite teams from a fantasy perspective, mostly because of the value of where you can get guys. Because We've talked about some of the other teams where, oh, you, you got to draft this wide receiver in the second round. And it's like, I'm not really, I don't really know if I want this guy in the second round. Like I prefer to have him later. Mm-hmm. All of the positions kind of top to bottom. I'm like, yeah, like I'm comfortable drafting this guy at that spot. Like we'll start with Russ, given that we'll go QB running back down the board. So he's quarterback eight right now from a fantasy perspective on sleeper app. His ADP is 77, which means if you're playing 12-team league, you're looking at Russ in the seventh round, potentially eighth round. I just think that's great value. He's behind Jalen Hurts, which I don't understand, but he's ahead of Tom and Dak. So I I would have him QB7. I just I really hate the overinflated Hurts value. I'm also a Dallas fan and hit the Eagles, so maybe that's part of it. But I love Russ's ADP as far as where you can get him, because I feel like if you get Russ in fantasy, you feel really comfortable for the whole year. Yeah. I'm honestly pretty scared to draft Russ because I'm going to have him in every single league and (laughs) (laughs) where he's, where he's going. Like that's where I usually like to grab my QB to around like anywhere from like six to eight. Um, So that is scaring me a lot because I'm going to be like, Oh, Russ. Okay. 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 (laughs) um yeah, i do that with dak i do that I as well where like it comes around and then i'm like okay wait i don't have that third running back but dak's there and yeah. then i i always have to say nope nope stay away from dallas you <laughs> yeah. got to take your fandom out of it but i mean where he is even if you don't take russ and you wait around to get tom dak rogers stafford like you feel pretty comfortable taking one of those guys but i do think russ is in a really great spot. As you said, great O-line. He's got some running backs, which is going to keep the defense honest. He's got weapons. Like, I think he is in a really great spot. So seventh, eighth round is good. Yeah, and the thing with all the other guys, why he's above them, maybe but maybe with the exception of Dak, is that he has the running ability. Like, you don't yeah. see Tom Brady running a lot. You don't see Aaron, Aaron Rodgers good for, like, 12 yards. Maybe it's a couple touchdowns. Uh, and Stafford. Like, they don't really run a lot yeah. that's why you're paying the extra few rounds for him but that that's why i'm happy to do it because yeah, he had an extra 30 yards and the touchdown and, and one round like to me that's not a big difference because when i'm talking about players that are around them this is where you're starting to get into teams 
wide receiver twos, maybe some backup running backs. I'd rather just go and get Russ and ensure that my quarterback play is, is solid and, and is fine moving forward. Now, running back wise, Javante Williams, I love where he's at right now. So he's running back 13, according to sleeper app. His ADP is 24, which means you're getting him very end of round two, beginning of round three. I feel very comfortable having Javante be my second running back in my fantasy team. Now, as far as what he's players, he's in between. He's somehow behind Saquon. I still don't get why Saquon keeps getting overvalued every single year, but he's ahead of Fournette and Zeke. So I would have had him a little bit higher. I think you're going to have to draft him in the second round in most leagues because a lot of leagues do value running backs. But what do you think of Javante's value? Given Gordon is back, so he'll take a little bit of production, but Javante obviously coming off the great rookie year. As much as I love Javante and I want him on every single one of my teams, I don't think I'm going to you know, draft him this high. I have him in a few keeper leagues, so maybe that's why I'm a little biased about it. But um, I don't know. I just read today that they're going to be doing like a 70-30 split. Yeah, and then maybe it's even they're both going to be on uh, snap counts or whatever. So they're both going to have a number of snaps they are going to play every single week. So that is just going to limit him even more. And then with Gordon there, I don't know what he's going to be like. And it kind of scares me. I know he's going to be good when he's on the field, but how yeah. much is he going to be out there? How much is he going to be out there? The exactly. thing that I like, like to me, I'm not drafting Javante in the second when I know that I could go get Debo Samuel. I could go and get Tyreek. I can get those guys. But if he's there in the third, I've, I've already got my first running yeah. back and he's going to be my third rounder. I feel very comfortable what I don't want to do is make the mistake of, well, maybe you go the, the wide receiver, wide receiver start, and then you're relying on Javante to be your workhorse. That's not the spot that you want to be in. I think there's other offenses. Like, I'd rather go Fournette just because I know that Fournette's going to be out there the majority of the time because Tom loves him. Yeah, or, I wasn't trying to talk like talk Javante down. I just oh, don't yeah. want to take him in the second. Yeah, second round, I agree. I, I don't think that I want to take him second round. Third round is where I feel a lot more comfortable. Like I'd pick, I'd pick Fournette over him if I didn't like if I didn't have that solidified RB1 already. Yeah. I'd want Leonard Fournette over him, I believe. Just because you know he's going to be out there all three downs, and Tom loves him. He was catching like seven, eight balls at the end of the year mm -hmm. and, and, oh, and still getting all the touchdowns. And a lot was made of Fournette's weight as well coming into camp, but it's like these guys drop 30 pounds in like three weeks. Like, yeah. like they're not even worried about that. Once they get into football shape, then everything's going to be fine. And and I think while Fournette does have the injury history prior to Tampa, he's been relatively healthy for the most part, so I'd feel comfortable with him. Gordon being where he is, I mean, if you're drafting Gordon, you're probably stashing him on your bench in case Javante misses time. Maybe you're playing him in your flex on bye week issues, but he's kind of in that James Cook range, the rookie out of Buffalo, and he's right there with Stevenson as well. So that's where they're kind of projecting Gordon to be, which is just third down back. He might steal some goal line touchdowns or something, but he's not going to see the bulk of the carries in his offense, and that's why he's getting drafted where he is. So I don't know about you. I, I wouldn't draft him – even to stash on my bench, I, I just don't love. I would rather draft a James Cook knowing that he's a rookie and he could potentially steal the job. I don't see a situation where Melvin steals the job from Javante after the rookie year. No, agreed, unless there's an injury. Yeah. Um, 
And I agree with everything you're saying, but I do, you're, you obviously like to draft him if you draft Javante, just to have that handcuff. And also, if you do go zero RB, which I've never done, I don't think it's a very good strategy. No. Uh, <laughs> if you do go zero RB, then I do like him. Mm-hmm. I do like adding him because there's so much upside with him if Javante goes down, you know? And he, yeah. you already know he's locked into a few carries and he could slide into the end zone. Um, but other than that, I agree. Like, I wouldn't touch him. Yeah. I will say I did try a couple years ago where I had one running back that was solid, no other running back options. I tried selling and then just like loading up on wide receivers. It doesn't work. <laughs> never, never go down that road. No. It was definitely a, a shot in the dark trying to make a move for playoffs and didn't pan out. Now, when we're talking about wide receivers, they're kind of torn on Judy and Sutton because they've got Judy is ADP 50 and Sutton is ADP 52. So I think they're viewing it as, hmm. well, they're just going to they're gonna be splitting. Like one week it's going to be Sutton, one week it's going to be Judy. Where they have them, they're behind DK Metcalf and DJ Moore, but they're ahead of Mike Williams and Amari Cooper. So which wide receiver in this o- offense do you like more heading into this season? I love Jerry Judy, but it's not his year. No? Gordon Sutton. I'm Ooh. very excited about Cortland Sutton. You see him ripping up camp. Something everyone's got to notice or know. Whenever someone tears their ACL, they're not good the next year. They're good two years removed, and that's Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton's the deep ball guy that he had connection with Drew Locke, and how hard is that to do? Like, that's how <laughs> good this guy is. <laughs> and now you got Russ. The way I look at it, this season we're going to have like Cortland Sutton as DK Metcalf in the Seattle offense. He'll get like – I don't know, four to five catches, almost 100 yards, and a touchdown or two a game. And Jerry Judy, he'll be kind of cold, little PPR guy. He'll be like Tyler Lockett, and then he'll explode for 12 catches, 150 yards, and a touchdown. That's just how I see them going. Maybe Judy's a little different. Maybe he's a little more consistent, whereas Tyler Lockett fell off the face of the earth. (laughs) That's just how I see it. And then you got K.J. Hamler, the, the speedster who will go. Yeah. For the deep bomb. So, and sorry, I didn't want to jump over you. No, no, like I, I've always been a Cortland Sutton guy. I really liked him, and I agree on the Drew Lock point. Like, man, this guy makes Drew Lock look good, and that's <laughs> saying something. So, I've always been the Sutton guy. I didn't love the Judy pick as much, but I do think that they're going to trade weeks. Like, like I agree. I think Sutton maybe doesn't necessarily get the targets, but he gets the yards because he's more of the deep ball guy. I do think that there is something to be said for Hamler being kind of that waiver wire guy throughout the year where you're on bye week or you got injury issues, you need somebody to plug in. You're plugging Hamler and just hoping that he scores like a 50-yard touchdown. Yeah. And, and there's those guys all the time. It used to be Marvin Jones a number of years ago where you're like, man, do I plug in Marvin Jones knowing that he could get one catch for four yards? Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, they could get three (laughs) catches for 150 and two touchdowns. So that's kind of where I have Hamler. Like, I don't think it's a bad option to draft either of these guys. Like, the fact that you're in that offense with Russ, you got the one-two punch at running back. Mm -hmm. I I think they're just going to be kind of that one-two duo. I think it's going to kind of be like how Harrison and Wayne were when they were together. Um, yeah. Maybe not that caliber, but just kind of the comparison of what they're going to be like in that offense. Tight end, I'm hearing things out of Denver camp where, like, 
they're very uncertain of who's actually going to be tight end one. Um, now, as of right now, they've got Big Albert. He's ADP 123. Try and say his last name. Oh, man. I, I don't even want to attempt. I, I, I've honestly looked at that last name probably 10 times today, and I don't <laughs> think I've said it right. So that's Yeah, we'll just call him Albert Albert. I didn't think that Fat Albert was appropriate, so I figured Big <laughs> Albert was much more appropriate for it. But I can teach you. Okay, what is it? Okwa Igbenam. Okwa Igbenam? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Like, like I can say it now. I'm not going to be able to say it later, but so he's ahead of Hunter Henry. He's ahead of Irv Smith. He's right behind Cole Komet and Mike Gesicki. So he's kind of in that tight end wasteland of man. If I'm waiting that long for tight end, then I've basically given up on the position mm -hmm. from having that consistent tight end. But once you get past the top five or six, that's kind of the way that it goes. So would you draft a guy like Albert, or do you think you just have to go a different tight end route? I'm going to have too many Denver Broncos to have Albert O on my team anyway. So. <laughs> um, uh, I liked Albert O coming out of college. like He was highly touted, and then I think he was injured, and so he kind of fell off. I'm not exactly sure why he yeah. did. But, um, yeah, I do like him, but if I'm going to be drafting him, like I've, you're right, I've given up on the position, and then I'm going to need to draft another tight end around the same range. That's what I usually do. Like I'll either draft a tight end high or a QB high. Whichever one I don't draft high, I draft two of, just so I can have the interchangeable, hopefully play the better matchup. Anyway, back to Alberto. Um, I don't know. Like here, He hasn't done anything yet. Like Show yeah. me you can do it before. You're drafting him off potential, but like, how high is the potential actually? Exactly. Like it, it was good, and then he came out when Fant was out, and I think they're gonna do the two tight end thing again, yeah. just like they did last year with Fant. And then when that was happening, Alberto was getting the ball, and now we got Greg Dolchich. Like maybe, maybe he plays the Fant role, and then Alberto still gets his touches. I'm not entirely sure. I do think I like I agree. You can't just draft Albert and start him every week and think that it's fine. Like you have to draft Hunter Henry or Komet or Gasicki, these guys that we're talking about that are in that range. And yeah. then you're playing matchups. Like you're hoping that when Denver plays the Seahawks, you're like, Oh yeah, like loaded up like Alberto mm -hmm. today. But yeah. then when you're playing the Rams, then you're like, Well, I'm probably sitting him this week. So exactly. that's where that's where I view the tight end position here for Denver. Defense wise you got defense 10. I always play defense matchups anyways, unless you have that top two defense, which I don't know. The people who reach on defenses in draft, I just don't get it. Like, you're not beating me with your defense very often, so it's not a position that I, like, sell out a couple rounds early on personally. But yeah. there, and there's, there's right always a round that surprises everybody, right? Like, last yeah. year was the Cowboys. No one drafted the Cowboys, and they killed yeah. it. I remember back in, like, 2017, I think. I think I – uh Picked up the Bears. They just killed it. Yeah. You remember that? New England a couple years ago where they were actually like the first defense ever oh, to be yeah. relevant fantasy-wise where you're like, yeah, that was supposed to be a pretty solid defense, but you drafted them like last round. Everyone's drafting defense. You just have yeah. to be the guy that drafted New England. So you I just got lucky. Don't pretend like you're an all-star. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do love the people that flex on you when their defense puts up 20 points. Like they had any idea that they were going to score two defensive touchdowns <laughs> yeah. on the day. Hey, and my like, defense outscored your RB1. <laughs> it's, yeah. You always love those comments. And it's like, yeah, well, Christian McCaffrey got hurt again. So what else? Yeah. <laughs> 
But Tyson, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. This was a ton of fun previewing the Broncos. Tell the folks at home where they can find your work and what are your expectations for Denver this year? Like, what would you consider a successful season? Well, we haven't seen playoff football in a long time, so that's all I want to see. <laughs> Hopefully, a playoff win, but I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, go too far into it. But you know, just one stepping stone, just get there, and then you know, next year we'll win the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can find me on all socials: Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok at Spittin' Picklets. Um, yeah, that's about it. As I said, thanks so much for coming on the show. For me, I agree. I think Denver making the playoffs, competing in a playoff game as well. Like, I don't think that this is a situation where you talk about it with some teams where it's like, yeah, they might make the playoffs, but then they're going to get blown out. Like, that's not going to be the case with Denver. They're going to compete really hard with whatever team they get. So not going to be the Steelers of last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, you can follow us on all of our social platforms at HedgePod now that we're finally uncanceled on Twitter. Um, starting to build that following back up. Still no idea why uh, free comp hedge pod uh, needed to be a thing, but that's where we're at. And so uh, appreciate everyone who listens every single day. Drop us a five-star review, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Go and follow Tyson as well. He's a great follow on there. And uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow for the Daily Competitive Hedge Podcast. Thanks for having me.